Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, it's Andre back in the Tennis, Tennis and Bagels podcast. As, um, if you're a listener and if you follow at all, even if you don't listen to it, if you've seen that last week, that was not an episode. And that's because I just couldn't do it. Like I didn't have um, my room at the time. This is a, bunch, a, bit, a, a bit hectic in my house uh, for last week. Um, so I didn't end up making a recording. And it's not necessarily much of a problem. There was just a few things that um, happened maybe by two weeks ago um, that um, I wanted to just like comment on like some draws and some players, but not necessarily anything grand. But I feel like this week, we've this past week rather, we've had a few very interesting um, news and things in the tennis world. So I guess I'm just going to like... Maybe do a shout out for um, some of the winners from two weeks ago and mostly the Canadians because that's kind of um, world where I was going to try to focus a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so anyway, first of all, um, sh shout out for Felix Ogeliasim, which who made another final, like two weeks in a row, two finals in a row. Yet he didn't win, but he is only five. Um, <laughs> he's only 19. I was going to say 15, that doesn't make any sense. So he's only 19 and he has, he's already made five different finals, five finals in uh, the ATP Tour. So I'm fully confident he's going to take a title probably even this year still. So we'll see. Let's just keep uh, keep watching him. Uh, he's young and he's, uh, he's really mentally strong and just needs to get the little that push to go that extra step or to lift a trophy, which is not as obvious as um, it may look. Like you win semifinals and quarterfinals, and uh, maybe in the final, you just get a little bit more tight because it's the title match. So we'll see. Um, Pospisil has been doing really well lately. I believe he came back from injury, so it's pretty it's pretty nice to see him doing well again. He was never really a favorite to be like like a great player or anything, but. And uh, he doesn't have much of a backhand, by the way, so that's one of the reasons why. But he does still. He has a he has a nice game. He has a entertain. He's entertaining to watch, which is very important for me. Uh, and uh, he just won a doubles um, a doubles title. I don't remember where, but he did. I think it was maybe in I want to say Montpellier, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, in France, so or maybe it was Rotterdam, but I don't know. One of one or the other. Um, sadly for Shapovalov, he couldn't. He can still find. He still could not find his his range in his game, 
and uh, he he won a match, but he couldn't really follow it up, and he's back on a losing streak in a sense, right? Because he won a match and lost right away, like in the I think it was a quarterfinal, but in a in a draw of thirty two, the third match that you play is already a quarterfinal, so it doesn't say much. But in a sense, um, yeah, like big shout out to uh, Garen who won in Rio. He's become now a very um, dangerous player on clay. Uh, all of his four titles came on clay courts, and Rio, I believe, is his biggest title. And maybe he's going to be a challenge during um, the clay court season. Who knows where he's gonna be able to get to? And yeah, who knows? And he's only he's 23 years old, but still pretty young and uh is currently ranked at the world number as number 19 in the world Tsitsipas uh, won a title again um a couple weeks ago and so that's good to see him like winning after not necessarily doing great at the Australian Open um Medvedev is doing the opposite <laughs> he's he lost in the first round and I believe it was like a 6-1-6 love so it's a pretty terrible scoreline um, in the women's tennis, it's a lot of very interesting things. Is, things are happening because um, there's a lot of players doing well constantly, and they're young, and so there's a lot of um, good matches that will come out of it. So um, we can only expect good things from players um, like Kenin, Ribakina, or Ribakina, I don't know, um, and Brady, Jennifer Brady, the American. Uh, also, Kenan is American as well, by the way. Um, so, and I think Bribakina is, uh, is a Kazakh, 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 Kazakhstani. I don't know, from Kazakhstan. Um, so, I'm I also I'm not doing this because I don't care. I'm just kind of just don't know exactly what is the word for a person who's from Kazakhstan. So, that's where I'm gonna go for. She is from Kazakhstan, and I also don't necessarily know exactly how to pronounce her name. I believe it's Rybakina, but. Um, like Sharap- Sharapova and uh, I don't know um, Safina, people like that. But so I think I'm gonna go through this logic. But it could I could be wrong. But anyway, she's they're all very capable players, very different uh, styles of, of play. Um, and man, they're really mentally strong. So uh, that's kind of probably the most important thing. Aside from the fact that also they really they hit really hard. So that's probably gonna. I think we're going to be seeing a lot from them um, in the coming weeks as well, where Indian Wells and Miami are um, next week. They're studying both of the tournaments uh, for men and women. So that's really nice. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah. So now I guess the things that are um, interesting to notice is the fact that Federer is going to miss the next four months of play. He's going to miss the entire clay court season. He's going to come back only in the grass season. Um, speculation is that he's going to drop to world number six. And the reason why he's missing is because he's having, having a, a meniscus surgery, like a surgery on his meniscus, whatever. Man, my English is not as good as I sometimes think it is. So, um, yeah. Um, so he's taking care of his body, which is a good thing because um, we don't want to see Roger Feather like just kind of like going away because his body is just kind of like breaking down softly and like slowly but surely. Although it's probably what is happening. But the thing is, I think 
we want to see more of Roger Federer um, maybe in the next two years, I would say. Like, maybe he's going to retire like 40, 41 years old, which gives us all an opportunity to see more of him. And the fact that he's going to miss the clay court season, yes, it's bad for the people who were expecting to see him in those countries. But I don't know, maybe by taking care of his body and not like pushing it is going to give him like an extra couple of years on tour and maybe he's going to come back to another Roland Garros showdown or Madrid and Rome and click court season in general so you never know so and um, I guess you can always kind of expect to see him in the Grand Slams he decided to play Roland Garros last year and made it the semi-finals so that was pretty good or was it the final I think it was the final I think it was the final. So anyway, that he did pretty well. So that's the, that was the one thing that was cool. So and um, yeah, I have this in my notes here about the coronavirus, but I'm just gonna like mention it at the end because I guess like I just want to talk about the players before. Um, so this this past week now, like coming fast forwarding to the past week and not to to this day, maybe to this day, but like from the happenings of next last week. Djokovic and Nadal, who are currently world number one and two, uh, respectively, just won uh, at the tournaments that they were at. I believe Nadal didn't drop a set, but Djokovic did drop one set to um, Gael Monfils, uh, but he finished on a re- really high note um, on uh, with a 6-1 set, um, like a 6-1 scoreline in the third set. But Mafis really played well. Like, I mean, the guy is... I really like watching Mafis because he has such an easy... He has a lot of... His shots are, like, really powerful and, like, really precise sometimes. And just kind of, like, you just don't see them coming. And his easy powers, um, easy passing, easy lobs. He just plays the game so easily. He just makes it look incredibly easy. Just like the big, like the big four, the big three do, right? So, and he's super athletic, and he's capable of like doing incredible um, trick shots. And this is always of incredibly high value in the game for people who just like to watch a match and be like, "Yo, this is incredible!" And people like me, like I guess, like I'm a big tennis enthusiast, so I don't really qualify as just like a regular, regular spectator. Like I kind of like really follow like the game. Hence why I'm doing this podcast. And uh, so, like, shots that sometimes may not seem that impressive to lots of people, they're impressive to me. But Monfils is not that type of guy. Monfils is the type of guy that if you have no idea what tennis is, he's going to come up with shots that are going to make people who have no clue um, who even Federer is or Nadal, they're going to be like, wow, this guy is incredible. (laughs) So, yeah, this is the type of person that Monfils is. This is the type of tennis that he's capable of getting out. And he almost won that match against Djokovic. He had, like, I want to say two two match points. Uh, and he's never beaten Djokovic before. And I believe the the reason why he didn't win this match this time is because he never, he's never beaten Djokovic before. I think he just got too nervous. Like, he missed, like, a couple forehands in the backhand, like, um, long and wide. So, like, they were, they were totally out. There was, like, un- they, were, they were completely unforced errors. There was no essentially reason for him to miss those shots but he did so i think it's because of nerves um and uh, and back to maybe nadal and djokovic is kind of like it's been the question like 
are they dominating? Are they not dominating? Are, are youngsters and other people coming to challenge them? Which is kind of like this, the point where we were, I guess, like a couple of years ago in the WTA, where Serena Williams was just dominating. And then like we got to a point where like Osaka won and uh, Barty won and um, Bianca Andrescu won. And now we're kind of like in the point where we can kind of like safely say that Serena Williams' dominance is, although she can still be somewhat of a favorite um, in every tournament that she comes in, she's still not like, um, how can I say this? Like, she's not like a uh, like a hundred percent bet. You know what I mean? She's kind of. You can look at the draw and be like, hmm. But I feel like those players are gonna be like incredibly dangerous. I would say they might win this one. Whereas, like, I don't think the ATP is not the ATP is in the stage where we can be, look at like Medvedev and uh, um, Tsitsipas and Zverev and be like, hey, I think they're gonna win this tournament. You know, and the big three is there. You still think that the big three, one of them, is going to win that tournament, which has been the norm for the past like 15 years or so. Um, so, only time will tell, and I think it's still gonna take more time than last time. Um, she, Djok- the, the way that Djokovic just kind of dominated um, Tsitsipas in the final in Dubai was just man Djokovic just kind of has it figured out like how to win and uh, he's just not scared and I think he's just going to keep going and Nadal was playing fantastic tennis the forehands that he was pulling like people made highlight reels only with Nadal running forehands and just other types of forehands because that that is a piece of art in the game Nobody has ever had a forehand like Nadal's. And even if you say, like, oh, yeah, Federer's forehand is better, or Del Potro's Potro forehand is better, or stuff like that, Nadal's forehand just has an aspect of power and control and spin that is unprecedented. So I think I'm not going to rank his as, like, the best forehand in all, of all times, but it's the most... It's arguably the most unique. <laughs> so, and ineffective also because it's not just about being unique because um Ernest Gubis a player who was always touted to be like one of the best players never really made anything important um Ernest Gubis is a very interesting forehand it's just kind of like some people call it a scarecrow forehand because it just doesn't follow any sort of regular patterns or forehands it just kind of has a weird motion to it but now that was not like that now that was forehand is not only is unique in the sense of like how he has a backswing and how much spin he adds to it, but also it's a very effective forehand, and obviously that depends on the player too. Um, but it's a very impressive forehand because it he reaches it, he he hits the target with power and control, and uh, very often he does that. So I don't know. I think he's kind of like on a mission, and that's probably, I feel like, the reason why he didn't play a clay court tournament in the Asian swing, not Asian swing, oh my gosh, South American swing, goodness gracious, I'm from there, um, so that, I think he played in Acapulco, because maybe he likes the condition, he wanted to try something, like, a little bit more similar to what Miami was going to be, uh, in Indian Wells, I don't really know exactly the, um, conditions are in Acapulco, but I'm assuming it's a little bit similar since it's in the same part of the globe. So, yeah, whatever. And Dubai is in kind of like more drier conditions, which I'm assuming is more similar to Indian Wells. But I don't know. Players make their choices. Maybe Nadal just likes Mexico. Wow. I was thinking in French for a moment. Uh, Yeah, so 
Following my little list, we have Sloane Stevens, who gets her first win after breaking a, a losing streak of five. Um, and I tweeted about that. Um, I wanted to say follow me on Twitter, but I don't actually remember what is my username, so hold that thought. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, Sloane Stevens, that was my... I kind of like tweeted about that and uh, I made a retweet actually from uh, I think Ben Rothenberg, uh, one of my favorite tennis journalists. He's been mostly talking about WTA now, so that's really cool for me. Who knows? Um, I don't know much about WTA, so that's kind of like a a great entry point for me. So back to uh, the tweet is the fact that um, Sloane Stephens has a lot of very highs, but also like her highs are very high, but her lows are very low. So, like, she won the U.S. Open, for one. I don't remember who she beat in the final. as Madison Keys, by the way. Uh, I just remembered. And um, But now she's on a losing streak of five consecutive matches, and she's lost, like, essentially all of them to people, to players outside the top 100. A couple of them, people outside the top 200. Um, and the first win that she just got, she just snapped it out, uh, was against a player ranked... 498 I believe the the stats like she's like 18 year old like maybe has yet to make any impact in any tournament but that's that's where she's at right now she's she's kind of having to struggle a lot for a win at this moment and hopefully maybe she can get to um stay more in those highs and having those lows be less less terrible <laughs> so yeah and speaking of people with highs and lows here's um the winner of acapulco last week um on sunday rather um heather watson yeah the british heather watson um won in acapulco she defeated the canadian leila fernandez in the final oh hold on a second i'll be back yeah, so as I was saying, Heather Watson just got her first title. I have no idea how many years. But honestly, for a while, she was just kind of like not in the radar. Especially for me, who's not really following the WT at all. Like, not at all, but like, I see the names when they're like getting to the quarterfinals and the semifinals. And Heather Watson was not one of those players. And the fact that she just won a title, it makes me think like, mm, maybe she just have, was have, just having tough times in the past few years. But honestly, for me... The biggest um, um, stars from this tournament in Acapulco were um, the Canadian, Leila Fernandez, um, because she's made a final. Like, that's pretty good. Like, we have more Canadians doing well this year. Um, and I am just really seriously hoping that they're going to keep carrying it on. And hopefully Bianca Andresco will come back. I don't even know when she will she'll be back, so... Yeah, and um, speaking of injuries and stuff, like Andy Murray, also a player that has given out some news about has given some news about his current state. He's having some complications, which are common because of the surgery that he's had on the rip hip. Uh, man, rip the hip surfacing surgery that he's had, and well, just hopefully he's he'll be able to still come back this year and we'll be able to like watch more of him so because man i just really like andy murray and i feel like if he is to retire soon he needs to have a well he deserves to have a a proper retirement not necessarily just going out because of such a 
like I mean I won't say a tragic thing but like it's it's like a almost like like a destiny like a joke played by destiny or whatever like a tragic destiny tragic fate let's put it this way that's kind of like where he's at right now if he ends up retiring before he comes back so I hope he makes it back and hopefully wins a Masters 1000 maybe a Grand Slam but like we'll have to see exactly like where he's at but maybe his passion for the game is going to be so much greater that he will actually put it all out on the big stages so we'll see and um, Ojeli Asim, whom I've given a shout out, just lost. Uh, he won um, in the first round, but then he lost in the second. But honestly, he's probably very tired, so not much of a surprise there. Players can just go go winning unless they're like Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer. And even still, they need to schedule it really well. So <laughs> schedule their, their their calendars, their tournaments that they're going to play throughout the year. They have to schedule it well, which is not necessarily a thing that... Um, Lots of players do properly, so mm, we'll see. Mm. And yeah, like since I was talking about like how there were a bunch of uh, new players doing well in the WTA, let's. I'm just gonna switch back to as I said, the ATP is not really in the stage where we can see. Um, uh, how can I say it? Like we can see like players who are challenging constantly the top three players in the world: Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. For the big titles, and I'm saying the big titles, I'm mostly referring to the Grand Slams because some of them actually have been able to win Masters 1000s, but the Grand Slams are actually like where it matters. Like that's exactly where that's actually where we see um, that someone new is coming, and that's when players win the Grand, Grand Slam. It's it's kind of a big deal. So, um, and we just need to see like where do they go? Where do they go after that? And that's not exactly not exactly what's happening right now. And even the player that kind of got the closest closest in terms of uh, um, how we thought he was going to do in the Grand Slam is Zverev, and he has never really done much in the Grand Slams aside from these this Australian Open. That's where the Grand Slam he played the best at. But he fall he fell back to a pattern of double faults, which is really sad because it shows something is just lacking in his game like in that regard is it because of his form isn't isn't particularly good because he's not confident on his first serve on his second serves i mean is it because i don't know something is not there maybe his nerves i don't know but he he needs to he, if he wants to get back into uh, grand slam um people like thinking he might win he needs to get that sorted out <laughs> really quickly and yeah and just the final couple notes that I want to say is um, Sharapova just retired it's that that is a big deal that's some big news that's some things that um, I particularly kind of as I say like I WTA was never really my focus in tennis but you can you can miss Sharapova as much as you cannot miss like Serena Williams. Maybe you can miss Sharapova more than you can miss Serena Williams. But in that same vein is the fact that Sharapova won Wimbledon uh, first when she was 16 years old or 17. I want to say 16, and she beat Williams in the final. Serena Williams in the final. Um, let's remember that Serena Williams was not 38 at that point. She was very much younger 
I think it was like about 10, 12 years ago. So yeah, Serena Williams was in her 20s at that time. So she was very, very, very physically fit. Even though she is fit now, she was arguably fitter at that time. Like she was in the prime time of her like career, not, maybe not career, but like her the way that her body was responding to, I guess, tennis. It was probably back when she was 20. Um, in her 20s and Sharapova managed to beat her in the final of a tournament she loved so much um so yeah and unfortunately Sharapova had a lot had a lot of injuries throughout her career had a lot of uh drawbacks um she still managed to get back to number one after a long um break and a lot of struggles in with a shoulder injury and won Roland Garros twice and completed the career Grand Slam by winning at least once off at all four of the Grand Slam. So that's that is a pretty pretty big deal. So excellent career from uh, the Russian, and uh, just kind of let's see what she comes up with next in, in her life, what she's gonna decide to do. Uh, it's not that um, retired players are not so much in the limelight. Um, obviously, like they're not playing, they're not really accomplishing anything new historically in the game itself but she's probably going to be a figure that we're going to be seeing a lot in the future so um congratulations on your career Sharapova uh, we wish you the best um oh yeah I want, another thing that I wanted to mention about Sharapova is that I believe that personally Sharapova's biggest hurdle in her entire career as a tennis player was her mental block against Williams and I am sure that she had a mental block against Williams because no matter how many times I watched her playing against Serena the only thing that I would see is Sharapova trying to hit every single line at the court like she's trying to play 100% perfect tennis um, and trying to like second guess herself second guess Williams really just trying to second guess everybody she was just so like she she had this feeling that she needed to be the perfect player to beat Williams and I don't think that this is what she needed to do because most of the time she just went for it and then and went for it and just got in four zeros like left and right and kind of like oh just try to like um wrong foot Williams and just kind of like put it back into her backhand and she got past her um a winner it was like the end for her I mean she would lose the point point on a winner because she just like tossed the ball right back at Williams so this is my my entire um, theory around Sharapova is that if she had told herself, hey, I am a player that I can beat Williams even when I'm not at my best, because sometimes Williams is also not at her best and I just kind of have to play my game and I have to be confident of it and I have to like trust my shots, maybe she would have gotten a couple more wins over Williams and uh, not necessarily finish on the like whatever maybe like 15 losing 15 uh loss streak to Williams losing streak I don't know 15 matches losing streak to Williams that's kind of like I think how we say it so yeah like that's kind of my thoughts about where Sharapova was at in her career but it still nonetheless beat essentially every other player out there and did super well and was definitely one of the greatest of the game um so yeah <laughs> once again congratulations on your career wish you the best so yeah and 
I guess I had more stuff but since I was covering like essentially two weeks worth of a uh, of tennis and things that I um, wanted to say there is uh, I'm just gonna finish on two notes um, one is the fact that there were a lot more things that I wanted to mention but I'm not going to because maybe they're not that important um, and I don't know even they're not they don't mean much in that in the sense of like the uh, entertainment part of uh, of a uh, tennis world. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is that by doing this, I think I'm realizing that um, my talks has have been lacking a bunch of a lot of structure. I've been doing this kind of like on a bullet point type of form, but maybe I should just kind of like try to break it down a little bit more in uh, topics and just kind of like uh, maybe try to do this a little bit more um, not not casually. But anyways, this is kind of like maybe a note for myself. And uh, if this is a critique that you have, uh, um, I am aware of it. I still am. This is still like what my fourth, fourth. This is not the fourth episode. It's like the fifth episode of uh, the podcast. So in the fifth episode of a podcast that I've ever that I ever did in my entire life. So for me, it's kind of like I'm learning as I go, and I really enjoy doing this, even though I understand that maybe my structure isn't the greatest, but. Um, for next week, I'll see if I can uh, structure it better. I don't think that much is going to happen this week, though, because um, there isn't um, much happening. And only next week, that's when uh, Indian Wells is going to start. And that's when we're going to see, um, you know, the most important part is, uh, parts of tennis in the year. Um, so, yeah, first Masters 1000 of the year, Indian Wells. And let's go for it. Uh, also, another uh, last shout out that I want to give, because just because I want to, not necessarily because it's important, but it's important for me, is the fact that um, a Brazilian guy just won a tournament in the ATP Tour. Yay! <laughs> I'm Brazilian, so um, that's also why I say like my English is probably not as great as I think, is because I'm a Brazilian and I'm in ESL, and that's how life goes. But yeah, the Brazilian guy who's I think his name is Tiago Wild, which is funny. Like, his name is in English. So he's probably, like, the son of, a, of an American or something. Um, but, yeah, he won a tournament at the HP Tour at the age of 19. I don't know who he beat in the final, but he was a 250 tournament. So, um, yeah, he, he did well. Like, winning a tournament is always good. That was always big. And big shout-out for him to do that. Hopefully, we might have a big... Brazilian guy playing, like, not a big Brazilian guy, but, like, a big name in Brazilian uh, tennis again. Not to put too much pressure on him, but, you know, it's always good to hope. So, that was uh, the Tennis and Bagels podcast for this week, without a bagel reference, as I did last time. But, anyway, if I'm to talk about bagels a little bit, man, I've been really enjoying lately just a nice bagel with cream cheese sandwich. That's about it. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, See you next week. Bye.